You are listening to Therapist Unplugged for straight talk on life, relationships, and mental health. I am your host, Lori Poole, licensed professional counselor with the Montfort Group in North Dallas. Each episode will feature the unplugged views of guests and fellow therapists as we navigate hot topics, therapy trends, and the world around us. On episode one, the inaugural episode of Therapist Unplugged, I am joined by Corey Montfort, CEO and Licensed Professional Counselor Supervisor at the Montfort Group in North Dallas. And today, Corey, we are going to talk fact and fiction about therapy. What do you think about that? I'm excited and I'm pleased to be on your first episode. Yes, I am so happy that you are joining me on this first episode. It's been pretty fun. Just even hooking up the wires and understanding (laughs) how to do it has already been so fun. Well, we know who has the patience and it ain't me. (laughs) So I thought this would be a good place to start because it seems to me that there are a lot of untruths, misconceptions about therapy and about therapists. Oh, for sure. So I thought this might be a fun place for us to start. Yeah. Because we've got a big lineup of hot topics and all kinds of things for future episodes. But this might be an opportunity also for listeners to get to know you and me a little bit. I like it. And maybe have some fun. I know we do. This will be fun. Yeah. (laughs) If we have fun, (laughs) our listeners, all three of them have fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe we'll get five. Listeners. Maybe we'll get five <laughs> by episode two. Um, so in talking about therapy and therapists, here's a big, I think it's a huge myth, which is that therapists lead these perfect lives, that they have all the answers, that they sit in their chair or wherever they are in their office, from this place of leading a perfect life, maybe judging their clients, I don't know. And I don't think anything could be farther from the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, we're, we're very much people um, that make mistakes and have paths that are frustrating and we experience all the range of emotions that everybody else does. Um, it's it is sometimes difficult to communicate that effectively to our clients to reassure them uh, that there's not shame in this room, in this space. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, so many of them, like all of us have grown up with that. Would you ever go to a therapist who hasn't been in their own therapy? Uh, I don't think I've, so I, I do go to my own therapist and have for quite some time. They've changed, um, throughout the years, but I don't know that I've ever asked. See, I would not be inclined. I I wouldn't go to a therapist who hasn't been in therapy. Okay. So you ask them, is that part of the, okay. Oh yeah. I want to know. Yeah. And I actually share that openly with my clients is I will say, you know, I go to therapy because I'm working on this, that, yeah, and the next yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I do that too. I and do that too. really to normalize mm-hmm. that we are a work in progress throughout a lifetime mm-hmm. and that where I'm at at this point in my life, in my third act, is not where I was in my first act yeah. or even my second. Yeah. So I think I think it normalizes therapy and it, it makes us um, 
perhaps more relate, relatable to share some of that? Like, I don't, I'm not embarrassed by it. I oh, me neither. Me neither. Um, I, I do share that as well. And I think it starts to change the definition of psychotherapy where, you know, a lot of people think you have to be in crisis or it is just for this moment of grief or, yeah. or something uh, troubling you, creating chaos in your world. But I refer to it a lot with my clients as emotional exercise. Mm, and like you really always should be exercising that skill set. And it changes over time, to your point, what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you need, you know, another, another reminder or, a, you know, a slightly different way of thinking about something because this is the first time you've experienced That's right. this issue, right? That's right, yeah. So it's not really a one and done thing. It can, you can take a break or pause, but I think it's good to have that in your, in your repertoire of, of go-to things. Yeah, I mean, it's really a process over time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I sounded very Canadian there, didn't I? Well, you... A you, process. Yeah, you should have revealed that right up front. I thought I was bilingual. <laughs> <laughs> process. Yeah, the host States. is Canadian. Yes. I hope. Okay. Yes, I gave that away. No, but I. But it really is a process over time. Yes, it's also a process over time, which is. <laughs> it is. It's like this archaeological dig, and sometimes you'll go into therapy and you'll just, you know, you'll dust off the superficial dust because not every single session offers an equal amount of depth, no. insight, intensity. Yeah. I mean, that would be just exhausting, yes. I think. Yes. But um, you do, you, you, you just, you learn more about yourself. It shifts the frame of how you view things, all kinds of stuff. But yeah. all that to say, I think if a therapist hasn't been in therapy, then how do they sit in front of clients asking them to mm-hmm. do work they haven't done themselves? And if we are the conduit mm-hmm. of healing and change and insight and all of that for our clients, mm-hmm. then I think this is a profession where you have to do your own work because yeah. that's what you bring into the room with you. Well, you're making me want to ask my therapist. Well, listen, go for it. I would. I think that should be the first question the next time you see him or her. Do a little interview. Well, she's listening. I'm going to ask you. Oh, she's one of our three listeners. Okay. Otherwise, she's fired. (laughs) Oh, no, I I, I don't disagree. I think um, in whatever fashion you emotionally exercise, um, I'm not convinced it has to be in therapy. I think that that is a, probably the predominant way that I would do that, but I don't know that you have to go to therapy to exercise your emotion. Corey, I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I hear you. This is how we make our living, and I do think it's super important. Uh, but I do think that some people um, have a way to learn about themselves and about their relationships through different connections Uh other than a therapist. Um, I don't know that it's the same. I'm sure it's not. But they can still evolve and grow and develop and over time without it. I just, I, for me, it's extremely valuable. And uh, the people that go usually find it valuable too. That's right. 
Yeah. Yeah, they find the right fit with the right therapist, I think. Yeah. Once, how old were you when you first found your first therapist? Uh, I was in, I think I was about 27. Mm-hmm. I was about 27, and it was um, a woman that my grandmother knew of. And I had this terrible phobia of vomiting that has actually <laughs> followed me throughout my life. Yes, we, we Despite know. Despite the fact my children were professional vomiters. <laughs> um, but that was, that was the... That was the whole premise of of starting therapy. So yes, I would have been about uh, twenty eight. Yeah, did it help? Well, I ended up there for five years <laughs> um, and didn't talk a lot about vomiting. Actually, mm-hmm. it led to discovery of many different things that mm-hmm. surprised me. Actually, mm-hmm. I learned how hard it was for me to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I was, I think i I enjoyed talking and I think out loud mm-hmm. when I talk. Like I. Mm-hmm. I process out loud. So it was really nice for me to have someone who was like my Jewish mother mm. talking. She was from Brooklyn. And uh, Barbara Wainrib, her name was, and she was just, she's since passed away, but she was an amazing lady. Well, I, I do uh, tend to agree that a lot of my clients will come in, and I've experienced this myself in therapy, where you didn't know that was it that was a struggle for you until you start talking about it or the therapist gives you some some feedback and you kind of have these aha moments like oh that that could be something that we need to talk through yeah yeah even now at this stage of my life and I've gone back to therapy I've had incredible aha moments about patterns in my own life Things like feeling as though I can't show distress. Mm-hmm. You know, and here I am sitting in a room every single day with people mm-hmm. who can be highly distressed, and I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I don't, it doesn't make me um, anxious or any of that. I can sit very comfortably mm-hmm. with people in distress and be fully present with them. Yeah. But it's hard for me to reveal my own distress. Yeah, I think that sounds really normal and common. You know, when we're, when we are in the accident rather than viewing it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and That's I right. and I say that a lot to couples who swing together with their emotion to try to observe rather than fix or be in the yeah. accident, um, and. You know, that's hard when you really care about someone. That's right, yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So I thought, you know, especially in this first episode, Mm -hmm. that I could ask you some questions too, because, you know, you'll be asking a lot of questions moving forward. That's right. Again, interviewing really amazing people. Um, But I wanted to know, what do you do when you go home? And how long are your days? <laughs> it's the silent laugh that we... listeners can't hear. What do I do when I go home? You want to make something up? or <laughs> I take a frozen dinner out of the freezer and I slap it into the microwave. And uh, talk to my husband briefly. I ask for short versions. Oh, I bet. Of, he can't afford you, really. No, he can't. No, no, that's true. And actually, I've just 
received a t-shirt that says, I'm billing you for this conversation, <laughs> then I will wear it home. Um, in any event, it's a frozen dinner. It is uh, dumping bags on the floor, uh, changing into comfortable mm-hmm. clothing, having a brief conversation, and then collecting myself. Yeah. yeah. I think um, here's a myth about therapy that it is a passive that it's a passive activity in other words it looks as though the therapist is sitting in the chair and all they're doing is listening Mm -hmm. but there's so much more that happens and we give and we put out Mm -hmm. all day Mm -hmm. long so in answer to your question part of my self-care at the end of the day is to retreat i i withdraw yeah you go with them look at something that's just brainless i find my tolerance for deep heavy movies has declined (laughs) yeah yeah i want happy endings and things that feel good yeah i'm more selective about what i read what i watch Mm -hmm. on television what i listen to Mm -hmm. uh that's that's typically yeah yeah that's that's i would say you know self self self-care you know, if you, if we're doing this job right, it really is never about us. Mm. And so, yeah, you're constantly um, giving out. And so to put back in, yeah, sometimes, you know, we don't do enough of that. But, it's, you know, I don't read the news, but once every morning. Yeah. I, I, I don't have cable in my house because I just, like yourself, I can't put in any more information. Right. Um, I do think one of the balances is just trying to still be available in a good way for mm-hmm. the people that I love when yeah. I go home, which, you know, it it's hit or miss sometimes, you know, depending on that's the day. Right. But but that's that's the biggest struggle is you 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 can feel somewhat drained. I've had a lot of clients actually ask me, do I do I, you know, think about all of the stuff that I hear Mm -hmm. over and over again, you know, when I get home or try to go to sleep. But I really feel like at this stage in my career, I I can kind of compartmentalize. And when I get in the car, you know, I can transition from being at work to trying to get to a place where I want, you know, the mom, you know, or partner in me is available. Mm -hmm. Um, That usually means I've listened to ACDC yeah. on the way home. <laughs> I have been known to listen to rock and roll on my way to work in the morning. Nice. Yeah, some some old stuff like Cream and the Stones I um, to get me pumped up. I also, I also do, you know, meditation. I try to mm-hmm. do that a couple of times a day. And that just energy, it's like, um, it's like a nice rinse over your brain, mm. a cleansing rinse over your brain. That's mm. a good one. So, what do you think is the coolest part about, because I know you, and I know you love this time in your life, this mm-hmm. career, because uh, you always you haven't always been a therapist. No. Um, so, what, what made you decide to jump careers and, and go into therapy and go back to school? Because it takes a really long time yeah, to get all this. Yeah, it did take a long yeah. time. Yeah, it did take a long yeah. time. Well, the irony is that in high school and college, I was a peer counselor. Mm-hmm. And then I became an academic advisor after college. Mm-hmm. 
So in some ways, at 50, when I decided to go back to, when I decided I was going to graduate school, because mm-hmm. I moved to Dallas and mm-hmm. SMU opened up, it was the mm-hmm. first term of the master's degree in counseling, mm-hmm. and I said, my God, this is kismet. Mm-hmm. I have wanted to do this my whole life. So mm-hmm. went to uh, went to school, worked full time, traveled for work, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, did my 3,000 hours and landed a private practice with you. I know. It's just having a, a, I don't know, sort of like a, a goosebump moment uh, watching you. We're in the same room, so I'm watching yeah, you yeah. talk. And the first time I met you was my first term. And I think it was your second or something yeah. mm-hmm. um, at SMU. And um, you answered a question in class and I thought, God, she has the best voice I have ever heard. <laughs> and here I am, dream come true. And here we are, all these years Partnering later. with you uh, and doing a podcast with your voice. And I, yeah. Who sort of, knew? Yeah. No. Who knew? Uh, certainly not me at the no, time. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, lucky us. Yeah, it's so much fun. Mm. Yeah. I mean, who knew I would be living in Dallas? When I look back on my life, if I thought at 40, I would have been living in Dallas and going to graduate school and and um, starting a whole new career in the third chapter of my life. I never would have been able to, or the third act of my life, I never yeah. would have imagined. I think, I think uh, all of that experience really contributes to your effectiveness as a therapist, though. I mean, that's... Oh, I, I do. I think, you know... Waiting until you've had some life experience, mm. um, you've had you know a, a career in corporate for a long time, you've raised children, you've gone through a marriage, divorce, right? You've yeah. done the things that sometimes people come in and talk about, um, and I think people trust you. Back to that whole like, how do you trust your therapist, and how do you mm-hmm. know? I think that is a huge piece of it. I think that's a piece of it. I think, too, it's a little bit like having all the laboratory work done before you study the theory. <laughs> you look at the books and you go, oh, my God, were they watching my family? Oh, they wrote yeah. This stuff? yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And I feel, um, I feel really privileged to be in a position where I can offer reassurance when I say to clients, you won't get stuck here. Oh, I love that. You know, you won't get stuck here. It's hard to imagine, mm. but I promise you won't get mm. stuck here. To have that, the, I think the the vantage point of being at this stage of my life mm-hmm. and being able to look back, mm-hmm. you know, even 25 years ago. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's really... Why did you think, because you... you came to me, it must have been a couple years ago, and said, uh, I really think a podcast would be a really cool thing to do. Why Why were you so hell-bent on this? Well, I, I will, I don't think I've told you this before, but for probably 25 to 30 years, I've said, I'd really like to have my own radio show. For real? For real. I'm not kidding. This was way before podcasts and that kind of thing. People had commented on my voice. But I also, you know, I have a performer element in me. <laughs> you mean true. you're theatrical? I, just a bitch. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. So I used to joke about that all the time. And I think with the introduction of podcasts and so on, that became more of a possibility as I stepped more into myself as a mm. therapist and realized that I can be a reverend <laughs> and uh, that I like to laugh and have fun in therapy. It's not a lot of hand-wringing and serious yeah. and heavy, yeah. you know, and that kind of thing. Um, and as we've had our meetings and uh, I've spoken and worked with other other therapists as well, I, I think that there's just an element of therapy in the unplugged piece. Like, mm-hmm. what do we really think about stuff? Yeah, and what, I mean... Again, I think uh, people that do kind of tune into this uh, will be maybe somebody who has been to therapy before and is is curious about what we think. I think also people might tune in because they haven't been and they're curious about what goes on in therapy. Or and then people will tune in because they know us and they just want to know what we be sound supportive. Like. Oh, or if oh, well, be may- supportive. Of yeah, course. or maybe maybe some <laughs> former clients that are like, I hope they don't talk about my problem yes, on there. No, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, yeah. the three listeners who are tuning in, I'm sure, will have a feel of it. They're, my, they're all three of my children. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I've always, you know, I've liked the idea, but it seemed, I don't know, at the time I was like, oh, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like, it, it seemed like a lot of effort, and I wasn't sure if it was going to go well. But I have to say, the last, um, it's probably been since the pandemic started, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've listened to more podcasts, I think the listenership in general of podcasts has gone up. Uh, and I feel like people, it's another way to connect and to, to gather information. Yeah. And there's just so much going on. There's so much going on. And I think it's another way for us to deliver some good information mm-hmm. and a perspective mm-hmm. that listeners can take something away from yeah that's not political it's not political <laughs> it's not con- i mean maybe some of the things we'll talk about are controversial because sure, sure. we're going to talk about infidelity yeah we're going to talk about men and their emotions yes because you know i've been called the husband whisperer yeah and not just because your voice because <laughs> they listen oh to you okay. um, <laughs> not just because of the voice but no I really I enjoy working with men very much but you know there will be there will be some controversial topics I think that will come up or some viewpoints that are a little bit outside the box yeah so, I, and that's the unplugged piece that's really yes. cool because you know I'm sure uh, in our own sessions with our clients um, people don't always agree with what we say and yeah. vice versa but that's what's the beauty of a therapeutic relationship. It shouldn't. It should never be cut off for for disagreeing. Mm-hmm. But really, just being able to process different points of view, yeah, is what society needs to do more of in general, in my opinion. So that's right. You know. I, I really the other piece of it that I hope people will come away from these episodes is understanding that. The human experience is shared by everyone. Oh, yeah. And that we are all connected. I don't care who you are. Mm. We are all connected. The human experience is common to everyone. Mm. And that therapy, talking to people, Mm. being curious about yourself, Mm -hmm. even if you don't come to therapy, there's lots of other resources. But, 
you know, that that we aren't alone mm -hmm. and our experiences aren't necessarily unique, mm -hmm. but rather shared by people all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I think if people can come away from listening to this series, understanding that and knowing that they're not alone, then I think we've accomplished part of the mission. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Me too. And <laughs> I will be excited to join you anytime. Um, and I know we have a lot of topics uh, already planned and things will come up and other uh, some other of our therapists will join us too. Oh yeah, that'll be fun. Um, I know uh, you are going to be interviewing your uh, daughter. That's soon. right. Yeah, she's fixing to have her second baby. Yeah. Um, about She's some fixing things. To have fixing. Her oh yeah, that's Miss Texas. Yeah, right over there. And I'm not even from here, <laughs> but <laughs> I know <laughs> it influenced me. <laughs> Process. <laughs> yes, there um, you go. Anyway, uh, but um, I think that's a, a beautiful way to end our first episode is with the reminder that we are all, you know, we've all been a part of every emotion. We've all had each emotion before yeah. not everybody has the same experience but when someone is saying i feel x right yeah we know maybe it's not about that thing but we have felt that before that's right and just knowing that another person has felt that when you're feeling is reassuring and absolutely. feels like connection yeah very comforting yeah absolutely well this is fun thank this you this was fun thank you Corey. and uh, i will look forward to having you come back down the road yeah, well, I'll probably see you around the office yeah, uh, yeah. tomorrow. No, Monday. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. The Montfort Group aims to provide a serene, calming setting where you can feel challenged, supported, and motivated. Our skilled therapists bridge specialized backgrounds and varied philosophies together to create one unified strategy. Rather than steer you away from your own natural abilities, we help you maximize your unique strengths to uncover the boldest version of yourself. We do not view a broken history as the end of a story. We see it as an opportunity for a new beginning. To learn more about our practice and how we can help you, please visit us at themontfortgroup.com.